Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for Calvary Bible Church. Lord, it has been one of your local churches for, for a long time, always founded on the Word of God. And Lord, we have, see no reason to change that. Uh, so we thank you for it. Um, Lord, we, we praise you for bringing us together this morning and for those that are able to be with us even via live stream. We thank you for the technology that we have these days to be able to do something uh, like that. And Father, uh, now we have, I bet, pray, been blessed with, with worshiping you in these different facets of our service. And now, Lord, we worship you with the preaching and teaching of your word and, and the hearing of your word and putting it into practice. Lord, uh, we just want to also pray for those that are sick right now. And not just with COVID, but there's all kinds of different sicknesses and, and even people in the hospital that, Lord, we just want to bring before you, lift up to you, ask for your care, your keeping of them, your healing of them, your encouragement of their own hearts and souls. And Lord, we pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It feels a little dimmer. Is it dimmer up here, guys? I don't know. If it is, great. If not, then it might just be me, and that's okay. Uh, I, I love to, uh, to send Christmas cards. I, I enjoy to, to send Christmas cards. My wife would tell you that there are those years where, though, uh, unfortunately, she is the one probably sending the Christmas cards. And, uh, but I, I appreciate that she would um, help out with that. But um, I, you know, write her a little letter thing and all of that. And, well, that was something that, that I was thinking about. Oftentimes at, at Christmas, I'm just going to put that down a little bit so I can see, folks. People like to include in their Christmas card a, a letter right? Uh, like an, an update letter of all the happenings that have been going on in their family over the past year. And, and one of the things that I have found myself very aware of, especially in, in letters that I have received with Christmas cards these past two Christmases, is, is just sometimes an extremely negative attitude even about the year before. Now, this was especially prevalent last Christmas, looking back to 2020, where there just were, you know, it was, it was in some ways a, a really difficult, tough year for the obvious reasons. COVID was in full swing. Um, we, you know, obviously knew less about it. Uh, there were sicknesses and deaths and, and, and lockdowns galore. It financially crippled many people, and no doubt 2020 was an extremely challenging year. Couple that with some of the social and political unrest that we saw, and, and it goes from challenging to maybe even extremely difficult. Then we have this last year of 2021, which I would say was better uh, in that regard, but it's still found a number of people, and and I would suggest mostly unbelievers, mind you, who would include in their Christmas letters this desire to just kind of wipe even this year off the books. Between new variants and continuing political and social and economic climates, this too has been a year that many have wanted to just kind of forget and, and press on to what they think, hope, believe will be a better 2022. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, hopefully, just one last time and, and try hard myself to just kind of let it go. But even for Calvary Bible Church, this last year has been extremely difficult. And for all of the reasons that you are no doubt aware of. Many of us might even be tempted to say, what a horrible year. I mean, let's just get rid of this last year. Can we just wipe it off the books? Let's just forget about this last year and move on. Friends, if you fall into that camp, can I just suggest to you that as a Christian, that would be a mistake. That would be a mistake. I, I believe there's a much healthier, more biblical attitude that we should have so that you don't miss out on some of God's tremendous blessings that only would have come about because of some of the trials that we have endured. 
You see, trials test our faith. Trials produce endurance. Endurance then has its perfect result, which is your maturing and being made complete in Christ so that you lack nothing, spiritually speaking. And then because of all this, you actually have great joy. That's all from James 1, verses 2 and 3. Could you imagine Joseph? Think of Joseph in the Bible. Right before he went and interpreted Pharaoh's dream, thinking to himself or or even saying out loud to anyone who would listen, oh, what a horrible three to four years I've had. They were the worst. I mean, I was rejected by my brothers. I was thrown into a pit. I was sold into slavery. I was accused of rape. I was tossed in prison for several years. I'm sorry, how incredibly unfair. I don't deserve any of this. Can I just please, please wipe these years off the books? Can I just forget about them, Lord? I mean, how could how could this time be seen as anything but horrendous for me and incredibly unjust? Seriously, what were you thinking, God? We could imagine Joseph saying, or maybe we really couldn't imagine this. And, and now I, Joseph, am going before Pharaoh. And then after this, well, you know, things are either going to get way better or they're going to get way worse. Now, I know that's kind of extreme, folks. Um, but with this kind of negative attitude towards the difficulties and trials of Joseph's life be appropriate coming from Joseph? No, absolutely not. Instead, what we see from Joseph is an attitude of trusting God and trusting in his sovereignty and trusting in his providence. We see full-fledged faith and belief that God was at work through his trials and difficulties, that God even had a purpose and a plan to use all of these afflictions in Joseph's life for his good purposes, meaning God's good purposes, and for Joseph's benefit. And what we don't see is Joseph bemoaning his circumstances or asking God why he had to go through what he did or even shaking his fist at God. Rather, we hear from Joseph statements like this, quote, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here. He's talking to his brothers, right? It's not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. That's from Genesis 45, verses 7 to 8. Joseph understands that God caused all that had happened, the good, the bad, and the ugly. In Genesis 15, verse 20, Joseph also says this, As for you, brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. These are the blessings, these are the benefits that would ultimately come to them because of what Joseph had to go through. And here we see how Joseph understands that even the evil done against him was part of God's plan and for very good reasons. Now, mind you, God is never the author of evil. Absolutely not. Only us sinners are the authors of of evil. Even Job, think about Job for just a moment. All the calamity that had struck him, and yet he still blessed and worshiped God, to which the scripture says, through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Job 1.22. And then in chapter 2, verse 10, after Job's wife told him to curse God and die, Job replied, Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. And all of this to say, friends, we need to look back on this last year of 2021 as Joseph or Job would have and praise and thank God for all that he has done in the life of Calvary Bible Church to bring us through 
what we've gone through to grow us and mature us in the process and to teach us things that we needed to learn from our mistakes and to trust that there are purposes and reasons God has for bringing it all about. Romans 8.28 I hang my hat on this verse. And we know that God causes all things to work together for what? Good. <coughs> to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And frankly, sometimes we are privy to those purposes and reasons, and sometimes we're not. And although it has usually been my experience that at some point in time, God tends to make it clear why He did what He did, and sometimes it just maybe takes a while. Now, this all being said, there's also a time where we recognize the need to forge ahead, to press on, to move forward, and indeed, even to move up as well. Now, what do I mean by moving up? Well, moving up in the sense of growing ever closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That the point in moving forward is to continue to advance his kingdom through this local body of Calvary Bible Church to carry out his purposes and plans. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven and even in his local church. And as we do, friends, that we would draw ever nearer to him. It made me think of the, the ghost of Christmas present. When he says to Scrooge, come in, come in and know me better, man. We should want to know Christ. We should want to know Christ in a, in a, in a better and, and deeper and more full sense, a wholehearted sense, both for our good and ultimately his glory. Whew. There's your introduction. Kind of a long one, I know. This morning, we call it Vision Sunday. It, it, it tends to be this first Sunday of the new year to kind of cast some, some vision uh, forward for the church and what this coming year <coughs> might have in store for us. So, so with that, um, I've entitled it Moving Forward, Moving Up. The question is, how? <coughs> how do we now do this? As Calvary Bible Church, how do we start moving forward and moving up? There's a, a line. I'm a big, you know, I love theater and musicals and all of that. And, and um, uh, I directed a community theater production of Sound of Music. And there, there's this line that Maria begins when she's teaching the children to sing. And she says, let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. When you read, you begin with what? A, B, C. And when you sing, you begin with? Do, re, mi. Now we could also add a new one. At the very beginning of church ministry, you begin with an MPS, a mission or purpose statement. A mission or purpose statement. A mission or a purpose statement serves to, to give a nutshell version of what the church is about. Namely, their vision, goals, why they exist, why we exist as Calvary Bible Church. Hey, I'm going to just give you a few quick examples of some, uh, some mission statements from some well-known groups and companies, all right? You can see if you can guess what they are. The mission of the blank is to maintain, train, and equip combat-ready forces capable of winning wars, deterring aggression, and maintaining freedom of the seas. The Navy. I'm kind of partial to the Navy. To bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. Nike. Our mission is to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Google. <laughs> I like this one. To enrich women's lives. Mary Kay Cosmetics. <laughs> to make, distribute, and sell the finest quality all natural ice cream and euphoric concoctions with a continued commitment to incorporating wholesome natural ingredients and promoting business practicals that respect the earth and the environment. Ben and Jerry's 
And you thought it was just ice cream. Calvary Bible Church has a mission statement, a purpose statement. And you can find it under the What We Believe section on our website, and it reads this. And we're going to put it up there on the screen, I I hope. Calvary Bible Church exists to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ by continuing his mission on earth of building his church by making disciples whose singular passion and pursuit is to know, love, and serve Christ, making other disciples who will do the same. End quote. It then gives three verse references, Matthew 28, 19 to 20, a.k.a. the Great Commission, Acts 1, verses 1 to 11, Jesus with the disciples before he ascended, also part of that Great Commission, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. So the question I want to propose this morning is, what do we do with this purpose statement of exalting Christ by continuing his mission on earth, which is to make disciples who know, love, and serve him. I think this is a good place for us to start at the beginning of this new year, 2022. Sometimes it just is about going back to the basics. Going back to the basics. Now, probably the the most important thing we need to remember here about this purpose statement is a purpose statement for a church is only as good as it is what? Biblical. That it reflects scripture. In other words, if this statement doesn't reflect scriptural truth accurately, and especially what the general purpose of this local church is, then this purpose statement is absolutely useless, and dare we might say sinful, if it doesn't. Now what I mean by that is if we as a local church are not doing what the scriptures say we are to do, well then of course we are being disobedient to God. And then of course we are in sin as a local body. Now what sometimes can happen is that a church can make a priority of sometimes less important things while neglecting the more important, or, or relegating the more important even to the, the back burner, if you will. An example of this is found in, in what we call seeker-sensitive churches, where you see an emphasis from the church on attracting people to the church, so much so that the church sometimes adopts a kind of give-the-people-what-they-want attitude versus giving them what they need, which is the whole counsel of God. Sometimes you will see you know, this great and wonderful purpose statement that the church puts out, but then you're kind of hard-pressed to to see that purpose statement being lived out in the life of that body. All right, so let's go back to CBC's purpose statement and ask ourselves three basic questions about this statement. One, is it biblical? Secondly, does our purpose contain the most important things for us as a local church to be doing? And three, are we implementing them or how do we implement them? And these are the questions that we will seek to answer this morning as we consider as a church what it means for us to move forward and move upward by utilizing our purpose statement. So let's jump right in. And our first point that we, that we see in our, in our purpose statement I'm calling worship. Worship. If you look back, Calvary Bible Church exists to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. To exalt means to raise, to lift up, to elevate, and is certainly about worship. Worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this word worship is from the English word worth-ship. Worth-ship, which means to ascribe worth or value to something. The Old Testament meaning is that of bowing down to God. Or prostrating oneself before a superior or a king. Also, it means to pay homage to. When we get to the New Testament, it also can mean to bow, kneel, or prostrate oneself. But it also means to show reverence and honor and even service to someone. Now, let's face it. Human beings are worshiping creatures. We were made this way, designed this way. We will all worship something. The question is, what or who do we worship? 
Now, the scripture teaches us that we are to worship the one true living God, the God of the Bible and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, no other, no other, not another person or an idol, material or immaterial, not anyone or anything else should receive your allegiance and worship, but God and God alone. (coughs) And we worship God because, well, we love him. And because we love him, we obey him. And in these, we bring glory to God, which is the whole point of our existence. And so if the whole point of the individual Christian's life then is to worship and glorify the Father through the Son with love and obedience, well, then this would also be a mandate for the church as well. So then you think, well, how is it we worship as a church? Well, let's see. Oh, we have a worship service, don't we? That we are participating in right now. Let me just say this. One of the misconceptions about worshiping God in a corporate setting is that this only happens with music and singing. When in reality, worshiping God through song is only One way we worship him in the context of even a worship service. In other words, we not only worship in song and music, yes, but we worship when we read the scripture, when we pray, in our giving, in our fellowship, through the preaching, teaching of his word, and even by way of the announcements. This is the biblical worship of the church. And of course, we should be worshiping God, not just in a worship service, but in every second of every day, just like 1 Corinthians 10, 31 implies, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Because in glorifying God, friends, you are indeed worshiping him. Now, it's also true that as a church, we not only worship God through our worship service, but but any time the, the church seeks to glorify God through our Bible studies and our children and youth ministries and our fellowship activities such as we had uh, at our New Year's Eve extravaganza and, and service opportunities and really any time when the church gathers corporately, worshiping God is Paramount for the local church. Paramount for the local church. Secondly, secondly, we need to advance God's kingdom. This is the second next part in our in our in our purpose statement to advance God's kingdom. We see back in our statement, Calvary Bible Church exists to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ by continuing his mission on earth of building his church. So let's talk about the church. Ecclesia. Ecclesia is the New Testament word for church, which literally means to call out or summon. And in the Bible, it refers to an assembly or a group of people who have been called out together. Kind of like, you know, you get called for jury duty where where you know there's a group of potential jurors who are summoned and they they come together they get chosen to decide on a legal case but this is so much better this is so much better than jury duty because the group being called out here or summoned together are believers christians those who have placed their faith in the lord jesus christ for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life and this is This also tells us that church, ecclesia, is not a building. Though we do have churches, or we could say church buildings, but rather ecclesia is about the people. That is the church. You are the church. The people are the church. Now we understand uh, the New Testament church really in two senses. There's what we call the universal or invisible church and the local church. The universal or invisible church is the spiritual union of all Christians, Christian believers everywhere, past, present, and future. Though we don't have the same 
New Testament church in the Old Testament, they certainly had the concept of ecclesia. For instance, in Psalm chapter 22, verse 22, David exclaims, quote, I will tell of your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. That, that word assembly there would, would be the equivalent of our ecclesia, this coming out, coming together. In the Hebrew, uh, the word there is kahal, which means congregation. Congregation. But back to the, the New Testament side of things, or what we would more accurately call the New Covenant, we see the universal church. Again, the invisible church. When Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, 18, we need to get our Bibles open, I know. We're going to cruise around and uh, look at some different passages as we do. Matthew 16 I'm like staring down at my closed Bible and thinking, that is not right. Not right at all. Matthew 16, 18. But because we're going to be, like I said, I'm going to be running around through the scriptures. This is a, what we call a topical uh, message in that sense. But that we would correctly, certainly correctly exposit each each text or understand it in its proper proper way. Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus, Peter, you, you, uh, you will probably remember this. And Jesus says to Peter, I also say to you that you are Peter. Now that word there is petros or stone. And then Jesus says, and upon this rock, but he changes the, the, the variation of, of uh, petros to Petra, which is now a large rock, referring to himself, I will build my church. There's that word ecclesia. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, we have to acknowledge that Jesus was not only the reason for the season that we just celebrated, but he's also the reason for the church. He is the church. Well, no, we are the church. We'll see what his part in the church is, right? But he's the reason for the church. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Just scooch over to the right there a little bit. Into the, further into the New Testament. Galatians and Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 19 to 22. <clears throat> give us just a, a tremendous passage. In reference to the church. Again Ephesians 2. Beginning in verse 19. Tells us. Paul writing. So then. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. He's referring to believers, right? Us as Christians. You are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. So we see Jesus as that foundational cornerstone that is integral in a, in a building's foundation to be able to see it built up right and properly and to hold together. We, we also um, see descriptions of Christ and his relationship to the church. For instance, in Ephesians 1, uh, 23, it's referred to as his body. His body, of which Colossians 1, 18 tells us he is the head. He is the head, which means, yes, we are all the body parts. We could go to another passage, but we won't today, just for the sake of time, to see how, yes, uh, you are a kneecap, or you are an elbow, or you are a foot, or you are a uh, you know, lung or a heart, whatever. We're all part of the body, but Christ is indeed the head. Acts 20 and verse 28 talks about being uh, the church of God, which he, Jesus, purchased with his own blood. So the church is very important to God, very important to Christ. He purchased it with his own blood. So there should be no doubt, friends, whose church this is or who is in charge of the church, God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we say local church, 
local church. We simply mean an assembly or gathering of Christians in a geographical place, such as Calvary Bible Church is a local church. And as for the local church in the New Testament, we see them begin to form right there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Now, Peter here doesn't use the the word ecclesia, but that's what we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, after he preaches uh, his sermon to the people. It says, so then those who had received his word were baptized and that day there were added about three thousand souls and then down in verse 44 of acts 2 all those who had believed were together and had all things in common because they were called out they were brought together in this understanding now of the church those who received and believed in the gospel who have been summoned and called out by god then formed this first local church there in jerusalem then we go on other places in the new testament we see references to the church uh, in first corinthians 4:17 paul mentions how he teaches everywhere in every church and he addressed his letters to local churches right now we had in first thessalonians chapter one verse one paul and sylvanus and timothy to the church of uh the thessalonians in god the father and the lord jesus christ grace to you and peace the church is also identified as those who are beloved of god in rome called as saints Uh, Saints, they're literally meaning sanctified or holy ones, meaning they are set apart as God's people, people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are the ones that have been called out into this ecclesia, the church. Ephesians 1 and verse 1 tells us that it's those that are faithful in Christ Jesus. And in Titus 1, 1, uh, referred to as those chosen of God. So, again, to kind of summarize here, ecclesia, those who are called out as the church, it's made up of believers and saints and the faithful and the chosen and the elect. In other words, Christians. God has chosen to advance his kingdom by means of the church. And we at Calvary Bible Church, I pray, are all about advancing God's kingdom here on earth by by continuing Jesus's mission of building the church. Now, this may sound a bit strange, but but guess who the church is not for? Unbelievers. Unbelievers. Now, now, does this mean we don't invite unbelievers? No, of course not. Of course not. Bring unbelievers. We want them to come and we want them to hear the gospel and we want them to repent and believe and thereby become members of the church, become part of the church. Now, part of building the church is that the church would, our next point, make disciples, make disciples. We see this going back to our purpose statement. Calvary Bible Church exists to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ by continuing his mission on earth of building his church by making disciples. Do we see this in scripture? Absolutely. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. You probably don't know there. You probably don't need to turn there. You probably have it memorized. Many of you go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the great commission given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And of course, what this equates to is evangelism. Evangelism is disciple making. It is that initial, integral, first step of following Jesus. That is to repent of your sins and place your faith in Christ. What he did on the cross, what he accomplished on your behalf... And then, of course, that he he didn't just die and stay dead, but he was put into the tomb three days later, rising from the dead, resurrecting so that you and I can also know that we would have eternal life. Well, you can't baptize people and you can't call them to obedience and and teach them all they need to learn and show them how to serve until they've first been converted. And this is the great 
blessing of God, friends, that he chooses us. He chooses you and I in the context of the church for this great endeavor of sharing Christ, sharing the gospel to anyone who would who would hear, who would listen. I mean, he doesn't need us. Nor does he allow us to save anyone. And really, when you think about that, I mean, thank him for that incredible burden being removed from us. Right. But he calls us to actively participate in sharing Christ with others. Where does this begin? I think Acts chapter one, verse eight gives us some clues. Acts chapter one, verse eight. I'm just going to pop over there so I have it in front of me. Here, Acts 1, verse 8. Fingers aren't going quick enough. Here, Jesus is speaking to the disciples before again. He ascends up into heaven. And what does he say? And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And we we see things here start locally, but then they begin to expand outward, don't they? In other words, friends, we here, Calvary Bible Church, we are responsible for getting the gospel out to the people of Burbank and other cities and towns near us or that we all live in. And thankfully, we have an evangelism team that is just key in doing that. Setting up shop downtown Burbank every Saturday night, come on out couple hours there and and share christ with people but there's also the the evangelism that you will do to your families and your friends and your neighbors and the people that you know outside this local body including maybe people in the workplace or in school or through uh, sports activities that you are a part of or hobbies or friends or groups whatever it is and then beyond our neck of the woods Then we employ missionaries, don't we? Missionaries. Uh, They usually pick things up and and move things beyond our, our local realm of things. They take the gospel then to other geographic areas. Now let's just go back to our local communities for a moment because I... I do think, thankfully, Calvary Bible Church is fairly solid in the missions department, right? Even sending our own folks out on short-term missions trips. But what are we doing about things in our own backyard? I mean, yes, we have the evangelism team, but again, that's two hours once a week. But do the people of Burbank know that Calvary Bible Church exists? Just just ponder these, these questions. And if so... What's our reputation? Would the city have good things to say about us? When I was uh, uh, at our previous church, small town, Weaverville, small town, right? And we were a part of an association of Baptist churches called the California Association of Regular Baptist Churches. And, and, um, and we had the uh, California representative show up to our, our uh, church one day. A uh, neat brother named Ron. And um, Ron got into town early with his wife. And um, he tells me this after the fact. You know what Ron did with the few hours before we were to meet that evening for dinner? He went around the town. And he went into some of the businesses and places. And when he would, he would ask them, do you know about First Baptist Church? What do you know about them? Do they have a good reputation? He asked these questions. And then he sits at dinner and tells me this. And now I'm starting to sweat. And he goes, no, thankfully, you guys, people knew who you were. And you do have a good reputation. I was like, oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) We recently had some good opportunities here at Calvary Bible to reach out to the community with our Christmas concert, our Christmas Eve service. And praise God for times like these. And I hope we do more in the context of reaching our community. And I know we always want to be, you know, gospel focused in our outreach but i also think that there are occasions for simply building relationships in our community with the folks who live in the neighborhoods even around us right here with people throughout the rest of the city and 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 through businesses and city officials or schools or service organizations and the like I mean, we should ask the question, what what might be some of the needs of Burbank that we as a church can be helping with? 
Where can we have an impact? What can we be doing to have a positive presence in our city so that when someone out there in the city does have some spiritual needs that maybe they want, they want help with, the first place they think of is Calvary Bible Church or maybe somebody that they met from here. And yes, we hope and pray for those gospel opportunities. That's ultimately what it's always about. But many times those opportunities come because a relationship has been formed or a need has been met. I mean, just think about Christ himself. What did he do? He fed. And then he shared the gospel. And he healed. And then he shared the gospel. And he cast out demons. And then he shared the gospel. And this is why missionaries often provide some kind of service to the people that they want to minister to, right? Whether they they show up and they provide for medical needs or dental needs or food needs or housing needs or water system needs or dig wells or whatever it is. And just to be transparent with you, this is an area that personally I would like to see us do more with. I would like to see Calvary Bible Church play an even more active part in the life of this community. I'm not exactly sure yet how that all fleshes out. I just think it's important for us to at least think about. This leads us to our our next aspect of our purpose statement to see if it indeed is biblical and what are we doing about it and do we need to be doing something about it? And that is number four, maturing disciples, maturing disciples. We read again, Calvary Bible Church exists to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ by continuing his mission on earth of building his church by making disciples, here's the next part, whose singular passion and pursuit is to know, love, and serve Christ. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 28. Colossians, a tremendous book. It's the first book I ever preached on from beginning to end. You have uh, great doctrinal truths in chapters 1 and 2, kind of like Ephesians. You get the doctrine in chapters 1 to 3. And then in the second, or, or excuse me, third and fourth chapters of Colossians, the application of those doctrinal truths. In Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse uh, 28, verses 28 and 29, Paul says, We proclaim Him, meaning Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present Every man complete in Christ. Yes, ladies, this includes you as well. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power which mightily works within me. This is what sanctification is all about. Now now that someone is a follower of Jesus, how do we as a church help them to grow in the image of of Christ. How do we help provide what is necessary so that they can be made complete in Christ? I think it's that old, the old fishing story, right? You can hand a fish to someone to uh, provide food for them, but then they're still always dependent on you. Or you can teach them to fish so that they can catch fish on their own. And that's what we want to do here at Calvary Bible. At first, we are fishers of men, right, in the making disciples, and now we are teaching them to fish in the sense of maturing them as disciples so that they can then go on and do it on their own. And then ultimately, we'll get to our last point, which is to help others to do the same. So where do we start in this maturing process? Oh, Jeremiah 9. Let's go Old Testament for a moment. Jeremiah, back up to Jeremiah chapter 9, right after Isaiah there. That was, I, I don't know about you, but, but uh, on the 31st, when I got to those, those last couple of chapters in our Bible reading plan, is that awesome? I mean, did you just not feel like this sense of, ah, yeah, praise you, God, I did it. We did it. Thank you, Lord, for leading me through that. So just to echo what Tim said, boy, looking forward to, uh, of course, this year's Bible reading plan. Jeremiah 9, beginning in verse 23. This is the Lord, and the Lord is lamenting through the prophet... Over Zion and the fact that the people don't know God because of their sin. He says, thus says the Lord. This is verse 23. Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom and let the mighty man, let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this. Here it is that he understands and knows me. 
that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice and righteousness on earth. (coughs) Excuse me, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Let us boast in the fact that we understand and know God. Turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. For the next part of our purpose statement, Matthew 22, beginning in verse 36. Matthew 22, 36. I know these are somewhat familiar passages, but again, it's part in that, that, that theme of going back to the basics. Now, this comes in a section where, where the Sadducees first tried to trip Jesus up with this crazy question about marriage and, uh, and, and children and death, followed then by the Pharisees trying to trap him with a question from one of their law experts who asked this, verse 36, uh, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. That's that's exactly right. Well, it's Jesus saying that. That's why it's right. But we even see that reflected in the Ten Commandments, right? The first four are all about about uh, upward, uh, how to uh, certainly love God. And the latter six are about loving others, other people. Psalm 100 and verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. So yes, to know and love and serve are absolutely biblical. Now, Again, just going back to the purpose statement and considering these words to know, love, and serve Christ, it makes sense then that we can't really love someone if we don't know them. And we won't have a real desire to serve them if we don't love them. So knowledge of God leads to loving God, which of course then leads to serving God, including knowing, loving, and serving His Son, as well. And what do we know about Jesus? That he is our Savior. All of the truths that we have been celebrating at Christmas time, that we are sinners who are in desperate need of a Savior, because our sin has consequences, namely death and hell, eternal punishment. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus went around saying in his ministry, repent and believe in the gospel. The good news that he was bringing. That we would put our faith and our hope and our trust in him and him alone. And again, with with the work that he did on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, dying in our place, taking our sin upon himself, becoming sin for us. But then, as I said earlier, not just that he stayed dead in the cross, because what good is that? A dead savior? But that he resurrected unto eternal life so that we can have that same, not just hope, hope in the sense of promise, yes, but that we would look forward to our eternal life. And not just eternal life that we, that we, that we live forever and ever and ever, though that is true, but we get to do it with him. That's the point, that we get to be with Christ for all eternity. These, these are the greatest truths that we could ever know about Christ. And, and friends, if we stopped right there, right, right then and there, that just the gospel message should be enough to love and serve him each and every day. But the thing is, relationships can change. They can. They, when they're not pursued or they're not nurtured, the truth is, is they can grow cold. They can go from, from sizzling hot to, you know, warm to lukewarm, cool, even cold, and, and sometimes even freezing. In other words, friends, there has to be some kind of ongoing investment in that relationship, and it has to happen daily. And first and foremost, as Tim so well said, introducing our, our, new, our new Bible app, uh, daily Bible reading, that's going to be the, the key, right? Time in His Word, it should happen through personal devotion times. So use that, that new um, 
uh, Bible time, daily Bible reading. It should also happen through regular church attendance. And I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir, and I recognize that we have all of you dear ones that are at home because, again, you're battling sickness and, and, and that sort of thing. But we don't want to neglect our church attendance because, because, oh, so many things happen here in the worship service that we've already described. But it's also a way that you get the Word of God. You're, you're intaking the Word of God right now, and, and you'll probably do it again in your fellowship groups, and praise God for that. And, and saying church attendance doesn't just include the worship service, and bam, you're out the door. Now, go to the fellowship groups, as again, Tim mentioned. I'm just reiterating everything he said. He said it so well. But we, we, we show up to our fellowship groups because then that's where the rubber meets the road in terms of having that, that time with other believers. There's midweek Bible studies. There's one-on-one discipleship. Secondly, we're going to, to, to invest ourselves in prayer. Corporately, here at church. In fellowship groups, small groups, one-on-one. And, oh yeah, did I forget to mention our, our prayer meeting every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Our attendance has been a little lackluster through the uh, last couple weeks, holidays and all that. I get it. I get it. Oh, come on out. You want to be blessed? That is a blessing to sit with these brothers and sisters and just pray. We always sing a hymn at the end. Maybe you'll get to come and pick the hymn. So there you go. It's an awesome time. Pray. Thirdly. The investment is is commitment to a local church body, which is to say membership in a local body. Oh, here we go with the whole membership talk. Come on, pastor. It doesn't say thou shall become an official member of the church. Yes, it does. It does. Look it up. No, it's not in the Ten Commandments, but it's most certainly there in the Scriptures. Email me. I will send you my eight biblical reasons for church membership in a local church. All right, you want me to go a step further? We'll go a step further. To be a Christian and not seek membership in a local church is sinful. Unless there's some extenuating circumstance, it would be sinful. You need to be members of a local church. And lastly, service. You need to make an investment in service. And, and I, I put this after membership in a local church because when you're talking about service in the context of the church, membership should precede all else. One becomes a member of a local body and then they begin to serve in a local body. And then this will manifest in oh so many ways. And it includes you using whatever gifts God has given you through his Holy Spirit. Which now lives inside of you for the building up of the body of Christ. We see this so clearly. 1 Corinthians twelve seven, When Paul says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Capital S, Holy Spirit. For the common good. Meaning the common good of the body. In uh, chapter 14, verse 12, he says, So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Abound in those gifts for the building up of the local church. First Peter 4.10 As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Friends, do you know what it's like to not use a gift that God has given you? Imagine I invite you over to my house and you decide that you want to bring me a gift when you come. But you didn't just want to bring me any old gift. Rather, it was a gift that you picked out especially for me. You took time and great care in picking out my gift. You, you did some research to see what I might like. And in the end, you come to my house and you present me with a brand new Vulcan V730 Max elongated pickleball paddle made with a 13 millimeter Stratacore polypropylene honeycomb core with a seven layer V-skin system, TechStream, V-strut, spread toe carbon fiber bands, Duraflex, throat reinforcement, and built with an exclusive thermal diffusion welding construction which eliminates superfluous adhesives. And I am overjoyed. I'm overwhelmed. All handcrafted in the good old US of A, even better. And it's going to set you back a couple of hundred bucks. And I'm like, wow, thanks. A couple of months go by. You come over again. 
And while you're hanging up your coat in the coat closet, you notice, wait a minute, on, on the shelf up towards the back is, that's the pickleball paddle I gave Jay. And it's just in there. It's just getting coated with dust and, and cobwebs. He's, he's not even using it. Man, I picked that paddle out special for him. And it's just sitting there. Friends, God has given you at least one, if not multiple gifts to be used in service to him for the edification of this local body. He's given out gifts of mercy and of giving and leading and administrating and teaches, teaching and service and, and helping and evangelism and exhortation and preaching and pastoring. Please, please, please don't let these precious beautiful gifts just get dust and cobwebs all over them that would be a tragedy to say the least i mean how sad that would be none of us would receive the benefit of your gift and you will not receive the blessing for having used it And there are many other areas that we could include in the maturing of disciples and what it means to know, love, and serve the Lord. And and I'll I'll leave it to you. Um, And some of you in your fellowship groups even to maybe consider this further. And before we move on to our last point, it'll be a quick one. I know we're already kind of going over here. Can we just go back to that part of our purpose statement that says that knowing, loving, and serving Christ should be our singular purpose passion and pursuit in other words this means that knowing loving and serving christ is at the epicenter of who you are who we are as a church it is our why we call it our why meaning it is it is why we get up in the morning it is why we go through the day it is why we say what we say and do what we do and it's all for the glory of god And frankly, we should be pleased to do so. We should be pleased to know, love, and serve Christ. Let that be our passion. Let that be our pursuit. Lastly, repeat. That's the last part of our our statement. Calvary Bible Church exists to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ by continuing His mission on earth of building His church by making disciples whose singular passion and pursuit is to know, love, and serve Christ, making other disciples who will do the same. Repeat. Reproduce yourself. As far as you are a believer, God has made an investment in you For the purpose of advancing his kingdom and providing worshipers for his son. That's who we are as believers. We are worshipers for his son. You've been made a worshiping disciple of the king of kings and the lord of lords. You've been matured as a follower of Christ, especially in knowing and loving and serving him. Now it's time to offer some return. And for you to do the same. Share Christ with others. Evangelize the lost. Promote and advance His kingdom. Make disciples and mature disciples. Show them how to know, love, and serve Christ. And to offer Him their worship. We do this as individuals. But we also do this as a church. And that is the emphasis this morning. And I pray that would be our emphasis throughout this new year of 2022. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me and receive this as a benediction to this message. This is from Philippians. Chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Paul says this, not that I have already obtained it or have already, excuse me, not that I have already obtained it. We just need to put in parentheses. He's talking about the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which I also I was laid hold of by Christ 
Jesus, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Moving forward, moving upward. Happy New Year. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that we indeed have a, a purpose statement that has been that has been crafted, Lord, by your word, that it absolutely is a biblical one. And of course, the question now, Father, is what are we doing with uh, this purpose statement um, that we have for Calvary Bible Church? Our, our are we putting it into practice? Are we living up to it? Uh, where are the areas that we might be strong in? Where are the areas we might be weak in? Father, sometimes I, I feel it's just good to go back to the basics. And maybe this is a good jumping off place for this local body um, at the beginning of this new year. We thank you for all that 2021 had in store for us, Lord. Uh, because even those difficult or or uh, trying times, Father, there are good benefits to come out of it and much glory to you. You use those times to bring endurance to us and cause us to persevere and to perfect us and to grow us and mold us and shape us. And Father, now I, I pray that we would enter 2022 very optimistically. Looking forward to all you have in store in the life of this local body. And we pray this all in your son Jesus' glorious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Scripture quotations taken from the New American Standard Bible. Copyright by the Lockman Foundation.